friends, this is not Matt Ball. This is Ryan, a.k.a. Carlito, and this is another edition of the Blue Co. Project podcast. I hope that everyone is doing well. I certainly am. Um, very interesting game against Luton, which is the game that we will be discussing. Um, and before I introduce the panelists, you know, I just want to talk about the sport itself and where Chelsea really is in conjunction with it. You know, when I was in my 20s and I was coaching this U15 team nationally ranked and in America you know, where there's 330 million people, if you're one of the 15 best U15 teams in the country, you're probably pretty good. And my issue in my 20s where I'm now 35, I look back and I say, I took it too seriously. I um, was so intense, so pragmatic and so uh, detail-oriented that I almost took the fun out of the sport for the people that I was coaching. And I look back on it now with a little bit of regret, despite the fact that I do trust what I was saying and instructing. But now I look at it as I love this sport and I love Chelsea, but I also don't live and die by it in a sense that I understand what's going on right now at Chelsea I know that we're not doing well. I get it. Everybody knows that we spent a lot of money. We also sold. So net spend is important to provide some context around. But I understand that this team is not doing as well as everybody wants the team to do. For 20 plus years, our fan base has been used to one form of not just mentality, but results. You know, it was win or fuck you. And I get it because in my 20s, this is exactly how I coached. And when I played, that's exactly how I played. It's winner, fuck you. And I get it. But right now, in, in this still transitional period, I understand what the ownership is trying to do. I do like the coach. And I understand what the coach is trying to do as well. But I know that for people that are just less patient, it's frustrating and it sucks to see a team that does have objectively good players on it not perform to the level that we want them to. I get all of that. But at the same time, it is not over. We are halfway through the season, and I do believe in one fashion or another we, we will see Europe next year. And I do believe that we can also turn this around and maybe get top five. I think that we can go on a run. We have favorable opposition in the next couple of games. And things can turn like that. Um, I don't think that we are a bad team. I think that we are a very good team that just doesn't know that they're a very good team yet. But I do believe that we will figure it out. I am joined by, as always, my brother in arms, Jesters. How are you, buddy? Well, I got a little bit more gray hair, but that happens when you get to my age. Uh, <laughs> uh, the heartburn, though, that's Chelsea. Uh, yeah, so it was a it was a bum squeaker, um, but uh, when you play poor poor football tactically, uh, you have to hang on sometimes, and that's what we did. We hung on, uh, you know, like a a kangaroo to mommy's pouch. Okay, uh, my brother from another mother, KJ. How you doing, buddy? More good, more good, more good. Uh, same as Justice, man. A little more older, but that's what happens when the days roll by. 
Um, and yeah, I guess uh, only difference is I have a little bit more faith in just what we're doing. Uh, yeah. I've been a casual fan as of late because uh, I prefer to not die young, cardiac arrest, uh, heart attacks, <laughs> aneurysms, all real thing. So uh, yeah, man, but we keep on moving. Yeah, you, you may be a little older, but you're always going to be fucking handsome, and it's infuriating. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, we got another guy from uh, Lewis's stream, uh, Joey from Phoenix. Unfortunately, also a Knicks fan. Joey, how you doing, man? Thanks for coming on. I'm good, man. How about yourself? You know, I'm always going to be pleased with three points, and despite the fact that I'm a purist and I care more about how we play than what the result is, I'm still going to take the three points, dude. Yep. Uh, I'm 100% there with you. I'm uh, As long as three points are still coming along, I can, still, I can keep a positive mentality behind what is being run at Chelsea currently. Yeah. So let, let's jump into it. Let's talk about this first, and I'll go to you first, Joey. Um, crucial points. Um, regardless of the result, I know 3-2 – Thiago Silva's face said it all, man. End of the game, this is a man of enormous standards. This is a man that is almost second to none. One of the best players I've ever seen in my life. Certainly one of the best center backs in the history of the sport. And at 39, still doing the damn thing and played really well today. And when the game ended and the whistle blew, he was pissed. Joey, he was pissed. And I think he was pissed because his defense conceded two unnecessary goals and he allowed them back in. He allowed them back in the door. And I got to ask you, man, yes, we got the three points, but what the fuck happened? Um, it was a lack of a tactical switch. It had to be a quicker tactical switch than what Potch ended up making it. So it was actually pretty smart by Luton. They ended up doubling, um, going double, going doubles on the wings, and mm-hmm. uh, had the overlap pretty much available for across at any time. And when you got a six-eight striker, eventually one of these crosses are going to land to him. And that's what really ended up happening. Uh, we allowed the overlap time and time again without any type of change to our system, and then came eventually it came eventually you you're gonna see you're gonna see the pain from those crosses coming in like you allowing 30 plus crosses in a game that's what you're gonna end up getting some chances yeah and and you're right about the switch is coming late have you ever also considered that maybe we were just too comfortable at 3-0 we thought that we were playing, you know, Norwich from three years ago, when in fact, Joey, we were playing a team that still has a lot of spirit. They have an animated coach. They've got some decent players, and ooh, do they love to whip the ball in. I think we just dropped the ball a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I can see where you're coming from with Luton, Luton's perspective. Like, Luton is not a team that you just take lightly, especially at their home ground. Yeah. Um, and we've seen that in this Premier League recently from just some of the some of the results that they've managed to scrape with scrape the Liverpool draw, 
I mean, Arsenal needed Declan Rice last minute winner to try to to even get the po- the points that we got. Um, and realistically, like realistically though, those still I I would still like to see like ta- some type of tactical switch after the first goal, right? Like you yeah. saw it coming. Like you you really should try to make some. And I mean, eventually he did after two. He did, and and even then it was like we didn't look like how to def- we didn't look like we knew how to defend it. So it was kind of it felt like even at three two we were still trying to attack when realistically we probably should have just been at the corner flag trying to hold the ball for as long as possible. <laughs> yeah, you know, Jared, there's a lot of talk about um, you know why do you just whip the ball up top versus playing out of the back and. Uh, sticking to your normal modus operandi. So did Poach get this wrong? And really, what did you see? Well, uh, like everything in life, when things happen, it's, there's usually more than one reason, right? Sure. People that say it's only this and only this. Those people uh, believe the earth is still flat. Yeah, I um, call those people myopic. Right. Well, I don't use big words like that because I don't have degrees. Well, it's okay. Yeah. I, I've got multiple. I can give you one. Okay. Th- thank you for that. So at least I can sound smart. Maybe some artificial intelligence in there. Oh, you dickhead. What do you have to say? <laughs> but anyway, I look. Did were the, were the subs too late? Yes. Were they the correct subs? Probably not. Yeah. Was that maybe all we had to bring on? Yes. Um, but... When, you know, the coaches can do a couple of things, right? They can they can set the right lineup. They can play the right style of football, play players in the correct position, and they can make changes when needed. That's how you judge a manager, right? You can't, he can't run on the pitch and score a goal, just like Carlito points out every, every day. Uh, he can't make the correct pass. He can't uh, be beaten because he's not on the pitch. But those things you can judge him for, and he was poor in those things. He's been poor all season. But that's not the reason that we were overrun. The only reason we were overrun is because we had one – we played a double pivot today, and one of our double pivot members thought he was still playing a 10. So he wanted to be above the wingers. <coughs> Would you so, like to elaborate on that? Yeah, Connor Gallagher from, from minute one to minute 66, his starting position was above our winger our right winger. Um, he was receiving passes in that area. Uh, when you play as a six, you're supposed to be behind, you know, uh, securing the midfield, dominating the midfield so balls can be recycled into attack. We didn't have that. We had one guy trying to cover two positions today, and by minutes 70, he was he was shot. Moises Caicedo was through because he was playing – both six roles, because our other guy thought he would play at the field. Um, the other thing is sometimes uh, just being strong and not trying to do cute things, making the proper pass, being technically sound is the way to go to see way to see games out. I don't need to see you doing pirouettes and step overs uh, when you're trying to close out a game. Yeah, you and I talked about this earlier, right? Like. For me, the move would have been to stick with the game plan and the normal style of play because the most frustrating thing 
that Luke Luton could have probably seen was Chelsea being nonplussed about the fact that they were desperate for a goal. So if you're a team that's very good in possession, which we are, objectively we are, very good in possession, and Luton is trying like hell to strip us of possession and we pass around them, that is a deflating proposition for them. But the you idea... Yet you the people in the right positions... Right. They can't be wandering all over the pitch because you have to have somebody to pass. And right. Look, but we talk about triangles all the time. But if the guy that's supposed to be the head of the triangle is, is uh, trying to play with a circle, what can you do? <laughs> well, the 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 thing about four, two, three, one, which is formation that I will live and die by, I think it's the most functionally sound formation. And also anatomically, I think it's perfect because. There are triangles everywhere in that formation. Four, two, three, one, two D mids, one ACM, two wings, one forward, four in the back. But one of the things is that it's actually sneaky conservative in that if you play with two D mids, there is so much cover there, not just for the center backs. But if your outside back wants to go up, the D mid shifts, not all the way over, but shifts enough for cover, right? While not abandoning the midfield defensively because you have another one there. There's always going to be like a seesaw effect if you play with 2D mids in the 4-2-3-1. It's why it's such a brilliant formation and also a really difficult formation to play against. Connor Gallagher, like you showed us earlier today, he was completely out of position. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sorry. You know, you can... Let me ask you this question, because everybody sure. here is smart. Can you run faster than you can pass the ball? No, of course not. So the ball tra- gets there quicker when you pass it. So if everybody's in their position, you actually have space and windows to pass the ball in. And that works a whole – that's much more effective than having one guy run around the pitch trying to, to, to uh, take the ball off everybody else and – by doing that, puts everybody else in a, a precarious position where they now have to cover for him. Um, it's it's it. Look, I, I understand young young people want to back their team, and they think by backing their team that means backing Cobham. But <laughs> folks, you can count the, the amount of players on one hand that have been good enough to play at Chelsea Football Club when they were ready to play. Right? You can't say, well, KDB and Mo Salah. Well, sorry. It happened years later. Some of those things happened. But at the time, it's been Reese James and who? Uh, Carney. But he's not a Cobham guy, right? But I mean, he's, not like, a, he's not a Cobham guy. Yeah. That, that's what I've been trying to say for the longest, Jesters. It's like, it's like, how do we, how are we, like, as a fan base, going bananas about this guy potentially not being here when, in the end, the only the only academy graduate outside of Reese James that we actually have had consistently played for us was JT. And uh, is, yeah. is he, is Connor Gallagher at the level of JT and Reese James? No, absolutely not. So it's, it's, it's not, it's not, it's, it's very simple thought after that. It's a very simple thought. It's like, he's not as good as he's not good enough to be part of this team. And a full time at playing as many minutes as he is currently, and not and we're seeing it firsthand consistently. But yet, 
we're asking questions on why we're selling him. It just doesn't make sense. Well, let me bring in KJ because, KJ, you know how I feel about Conor Gallagher. Look, everybody that says he tries hard, and that can be some admirable accolade, dude, effort is a prerequisite to being a professional person. Not just a professional player, but a professional person. Effort? Dude, that's expected. That's not something that needs to be fucking praised. Oh, you try hard. Yeah, so is everybody else. They're all trying hard. So I'm not going to like kiss your ass for the fact that you're fucking trying hard. No, 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 no. If you're a central midfielder, which is the thing that I focused on most when I was a coach, and guess what? I was also a player at center mid. I understand. Touch is everything, right? First touch, second touch, passing, manipulating the ball, being part of the operating flow of possession. That shit does not compute with Gallagher, KJ. I have to get your opinion on this. But for me, Gallagher is just so slow in possession, and it stifles everything that we want to do. If we want to switch a ball, he's going to take three seconds to do it. And it's just so infuriating. KJ, help me. No, you're right. And you brought up a great point. I mean, effort is the bare minimum. I mean, having tactical awareness is the bare minimum. Having a first touch that can generate any sort of free-flowing football is the bare minimum. That's the things you're taught when you're in the academy. And unfortunately for Conor Gallagher at the moment, he isn't playing um, like a first-team player. If anything, he's playing like he just started at the academy. He lacks the basic fundamentals when it comes... But it's the truth, though. He lacks the basic fundamentals when it comes to moving the ball forward. And I was having a conversation before this um, with one of my mates, and I said, well, on the inverse, when you look at Ross Barkley, who we slated for the exact same reasons, he was the connective tissue in Luton's attack so much to the point where it almost looked like he could play as a number 10 and as a number nine because he was so diverse and interchangeable. And I think we try to push this narrative down Conor Gallagher because (coughs) we expect him to be that type of player. But the truth of the matter is, like if I have to ask anyone, anyone in this, in this panel and just on social media, what is his best position? I think it's kind of hard to answer that question Because what is his actual best trait when it comes to not just defending, but attacking? Where does he slot in that benefits the team the most? Which is what I'm struggling to figure out. And it's why I don't see how he fits in this team. Because I can't figure out what's the best use of his potential. If there even is potential at this point. People are going crazy because he he was the most fouled player. But like, dude, I, I... Genuinely, at some point, I was like, I hope his ankle breaks because there's no way. Jesus, KJ. But there's no way you can celebrate the fact that he's getting fouled a lot. That's, to me, that just means that he can't even evade a tackle properly. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I agree with you. Like, look, look, for me, you know, you got this Opta Joe doing a bunch of specious stats, aka stats that you think are really cool. But really not relevant. You know, the funny thing about analytics is that um, nowadays you can you can pick a stat to make someone look favorable in any capacity. 
you, you could just say, oh, I'm going to cherry pick this, this, and this to make this player look good, even though, you know, those stats are irrelevant. Like Connor Gallagher, I see, I see this tweet all the time. Connor Gallagher is first in these. Yeah. So what I want to know is what, sorry, how often does Connor Gallagher lose the ball? And the other stat I want to know is how much time does it take for Connor Gallagher to receive a ball and make a decision? Because those are the only two things that I fucking care about in the midfield. Can you receive a ball? Can you be fluid in possession? Can you play one and two touch in a combination, intricate, sophisticated way? The way that, you know, Jorginho and Kovacic used to do. You know, Jorginho, slow as shit, but had a great first touch. He had to because if he had a bad touch, he would lose the ball because he's so slow, right? But the way that they would intricately just maneuver around everybody that tried to press them, they would just pass around them and frustrate the opposition. And Conor Gallagher just doesn't have any of that now. He has no capacity for that because he loses the ball too much because he takes too long on the ball. Um, And, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't give a fuck about stats. All I know is what I see, and I trust my eyes. And, KJ, there's a reason why he is on the sale block, and in two days he's available to be sold. I hope we get our money's worth. Um, I I haven't been keeping up with how much he's evaluated for at the moment. Probably 50 to 60. At this point, probably 50 to 60, because – People think he's good. Jesus Christ. All right. Well, you know what? If we get 50 million for him, then um, Bro. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take that. that. That's a blessing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, look, I think um, from the coach's point of view, um, and there's a reason why people always say, well, I mean, the manager always starts him, so he must be good. I mean, when you look at the past few managers we've had, they've all started him. So this goes beyond just the manager liking the player. This is beyond. It's football politics. Um and the moment you understand that, the moment you'll know why we keep on playing him more. Um, but, yeah, he's definitely not staying at the club. Um, Pochettino's definitely going to add experience in that role. Um, and if we do get $50 million for him, I, I, January is going to be a wealth of experienced players um, that can yeah. really suit that role. Um, but, yeah, I mean, as for now, I just, for me, I just hope that he personally, I want him to continue for as long as he can, just so at least we can um, get a good evaluation for him. But more so, man, I just I just need him to at least do something. You know, I've always I always said at the, at the start when <clears throat> Lampard started starting more that I hope he proves me wrong. So me personally, I've given up on him, but I hope he does prove me wrong. So, Joey, um. I want to talk about two things with you. The first is defensive fragility, and the second is Enzo Fernandez. But let's first talk about defensive fragility. Um, on paper, we should be good defensively, but we're still bleeding goals. More than in a calendar year, we've had a long time. And i got to ask you, man, what, what's the problem here? I mean, I feel like we kind of brought it up already, Ben. Like, like we're supposed to be playing in a double pivot, and we're left, we're leaving one midfielder pretty much isolated, like consistently. Yeah. And it, it's, good, and it's, it's like, a good point. It's a good. It's point. like, it's like, how do we like? 
like how does one get how, if if one if literally it takes one overlapping run and then there's nobody there to cover we've seen it today like it's it, it's been like if we're gonna be playing a double pivot let's play a double pivot right like that that's like the biggest thing it's like connor cannot be sitting higher than any of our attackers if he's in the double pivot like and then i mean but even when he is in the double pivot he's too slow to move the ball so then it's like what do you do with him on going forward so it's like i I, like the fragility is more than connor in my opinion i think a lot of it has to do with also not having another fullback that can actually defend out wide um because Levi just gets cooked. It doesn't matter who the the, the winger is. It could be bro, any winger in the league. Bro, he gets, cooked he gets fucking blasted. He is awful defensively. Like one on one, Joey. He's just in the line, Like you can tell that he's so like he's afraid to get out of his box and defend. Just afraid. He is terrified. No pace. N- he has no, not enough agility to be able to defend one on one out wide consistently, right? Like I'm, we're not saying like Levi Colwell can't do it. Like if he is one on one once in a while, like I'm sure he would be fine. But the consistent one on one, Levi Colwell getting one on, being dribbled past one on one is happening weekly now. And yeah. like, like not for not for nothing, Luton. But in the beginning of the game, didn't play with the winger. They played with a like a, a wide fullback. It was more yeah. of a wingback. And then one, they brought the winger on in the second half, and he just cooked with Levi the entire game. So, I mean, like the biggest my like, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into what we should be prioritizing in January. But yeah. that is like the, in my opinion, between striker and left back, like those are my main my main focuses. You know, and, and, and people will say, oh, he's a center back, he's a center back. I mean, look, you still should have principles of defense, even if you're a center back playing outside back. But, like, he lets people shoot. He lets people cut inside. And he lets people smoke him. And I just, I just have come to the conclusion that he's great on the ball, and he is. He's a very good passer. There are things about Levi Cobalt that are excellent. But defending is not one of them. He's just simply a bad defender. And I don't say that lightly. Like, I don't like criticizing players unless they deserve it. But in this case, Joe, man, he's just a bad defender. When it comes to one-on-one, staying in front of your man, not letting him get an opportunistic moment. Yeah, Mark Gady, at the same age, is a better defender. Yeah. And yeah. we, we sold him to Crystal Palace. So why does everybody think we need to hold on to this cat because he can pass the ball? Well, if your first job is defending and you can't do that, I don't care how well you pass the ball. Yeah. I really don't. Um, the other thing, the other thing, Joey, I wanted to ask you about was Enzo. Um, so I have four two three one and four three three in my head. So four two three one, two D mids, one ACM, four three three, one D mid two guys in front of him. Uh, I have those lineups in my mind of what I would do, you know, even without us buying in January. Um, Is Enzo Fernandez important to this team or is he a liability? 
Well, I don't want to say he's a liability. Okay. But I also don't want to say he's important just yet because, like, in in my when I watch Enzo, it seems like it's a it's a product of like the system itself, where it's like when he is way too far forward, his best abilities get like deteriorate deteriorated. For example, like one of probably Enzo's best ability is his passing range. Like he has an absolutely pretty much, absolutely pretty much in uh pretty much a a range of passing that we haven't seen since Cesc, right? Like. That's kind of like the, the like the, the mindset that I have with them, but with him being so far forward, it's like you're you're taking away the ability for him to be able to use that long passing range and get us on attacks quicker. That's a it's, really good point. And and it's like it's like with him, it's like how do I judge you if every time I see you, you're right next to the striker, like and I know that's not where you're best you're best placed. So it's once again, it's like more for me, it's kind of like a miss. I would like to say a miss profile of the way that he's being played and the way that it's being he's being approached as a player where it's like like what I, I and, and I still stand by this, like like the best game, some of the best games that we've had, like going forward and controlling the controlling the game is with Caicedo and Enzo next to each other in a pivot where Enzo can just hit the deep, hit the crossing ball, switch the ball across play to the right winger where Sterling or whoever it is on that right side. A lot of the times it was Reese James when, when it would, when he was available, that would, it, 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 it cuts the defense because everybody wants to press us, right? Like everybody seems to want to think that, all right, we have Tiago, they have Tiago Silva in the back. They want to press us. So like with Enzo, it takes one ball and he can cut the entire defense apart just over the top. And a lot of times it's Tiago Silva making that pass now. If, if you like, if you noticed Reese as of recently, like with the team, with our team being where it is and who's in our midfield, it's a lot of the times it's either Tiago Silva or Caicedo. Caicedo has been really good at distributing the ball. And that's why I think he was more placed today deeper and kind of as the deep lying, like pick up the ball and, and move it rather than Connor being that person. Yeah. And, and I completely agree with you. It's, it was such a brilliant point and one that I really never even considered what you said about if Enzo is further back, it allows him more impetus to play the types of balls that he is so good at. And I have to tell you, Joey, that was a brilliant point, man. Really well done. Um, and one that I completely agree with, um, you know, Jared within the context of this midfield moving forward, Lavia, Caicedo, Enzo, Carney Chukameka, um, even Cesare Casade. You know, what do you think is the end game there? Because Cole Palmer played ACM today, and I, we'll get into Cole Palmer, but you also have to take that in consideration. If we're playing a 4 one it could be Palmer, it could be Nkugu as well. Um, like, Jared, what is your midfield two? So let's call it a midfield two. What is your midfield two combination? Because I love Enzo. I love him as a player. I think that there are things about him that are singular in this team. You know, other people can't operate the way that he does, but he does have his faults, his deficiencies, his athletic inabilities. And, you know, it's not that I'm questioning him. I just, now that I've seen Lavia, I have 
other options, Jared. Sure. Do you have other options that have won the World Cup and was was a main figure in leading this team to winning the World Cup? Probably not. Um, this, this idea that uh, we need to maybe look at not starting Enzo Fernandez is probably the dumbest thing that Chelsea fan base has come up with since <laughs> Connor, Gallagher, Connor Gallagher is a good player. I mean, you know, we're 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 really gonna need to be have some investigation by the NHS. Some people are gonna have to start wearing helmets around, maybe some mouth guards, uh, maybe get some service dogs because they're special. <laughs> Um, Jared, you do realize that I'm just asking the hypothetical. I also like Enzo. I, I, yeah, I didn't say any names. Did I say a name? I said. Uh, well, you're, you're, you're flirting with it. But I'm not. You, you can flirt all I want to. I ain't sealing no deal. No, no, and, not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey. yeah, unless that package rips, there ain't no sex. Yeah, there you I, go. Well, I ain't worried about that either. No, no, no. I'm just, look, I'm just, look. I'm just playing devil's advocate a little bit because right. I love Enzo and I loved Sesk because Joey brought up Sesk. Dude, I loved Sesk Fabregas. Right. So and like the passing thing, it's, it's always going to be it for me. I love that shit, but no, no, no. Just hear me out. Like, I don't even know what I'm trying to ask. I'm just, I'm just curious your thoughts on it because we are going to have a crowd of midfield. Sure. We are going to have a crowd in midfield and a bunch of young, very good, talented players. Uh, for me, I think that um, the off position with with Enzo should be the one we should be discussing. Is Caicedo the better partner for, for Enzo, or is it Lavia that's the better partner for Enzo? Uh, that is a very expensive question. Well, I understand it's a very expensive question, but... Um, I think in certain games, at certain times, Lavia would be a better partner for Enzo because he's more of a holder than Caicedo is. Caicedo's not really a holding midfielder, if we're really being honest here. And really, if we're being honest, Lavia's not a traditional holding uh, midfielder either. However, he does a very good job at it. He's Plus, probably he's, our, he's such a beast. I mean, just yeah, he's a big guy. He's a big He's only 5'9", five, 5'10", five, at the most. Yeah, but he is a grown man. Um, so for me, depending on who you're playing and what you want from the off position do you, or, or, or in that, do you want deep line playmaking? Well, that has to be Enzo. Do you want somebody to break up play? Well, that's really Caicedo's job. Do you want somebody who's going to sit and be the, be the guy that's going to be back there, you know? He's going to be there. He can play the ball very well from deep. Uh, he can break up play if you ask him to. And as Lavia, he's kind of a, a between a Caicedo and uh, Enzo. Yeah. So I don't think it's an issue at all. For me, I would play a 4-2-3-1 depending on who I'm facing. That dictates the, the pairing, not the price that you paid for him. And yeah. then when we get up, for me, I would love to switch to a 4-3-3 and have all three of them on the pitch at the same time because I don't think there's another midfield in the world who could take on that midfield. I think only only Madrid's comes close to it, in yeah. my right. opinion. Right. But, and, and but here's, here's the thing, right? Like, here's the thing is, like, like even if you – like, it's it, it, it's a fantastic problem to have. But even if you want to, like, say the one of those three are injured, like, I still think that 
like the likes of like if we brought back Andre Santos, tobacco oh. to deputize those guys would be a better option for us than having Connor Gallagher captain our team every single week. Like that, <laughs> no argument there. No argument, like, no like, argument just, there, like, dude. Like I, I in in it, it's it, it's not necessarily on Connor. Con, like with Connor, it's like there's so many factors with him to like the fact that he has 18 months left. The fact he's pure profit and as of right now he's probably at, like worth his most that he's probably going to be worth like it all makes sense it all makes sense like especially if we want to go and try to get a big boy striker which we which it seems like that's the plan right and with this with with these two with like i think that jesters has the idea exactly spot on with the pivot like you don't necessarily you 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 want Probably either you probably want Lavia as like the consistent one, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. And then you can rotate Enzo Caicedo as based off of what type of game you need. Like that's kind of where I see it. And then I see Santos kind of deputizing Lavia as that person, unless you can use Caicedo in that same position as well. But it's just a great problem to have in the midfield. Like like the fact that there's even like a thought that we may go get another one is like almost a, like not even in my thought process that we need another midfielder. Like so even K- if we lose Connor. Yeah. So KJ, um, you know, just continue on this conversation about the midfield. Um, we are going to be recalling Andre Santos from Nottingham forest for being incredibly negligent in the way that they handled him. And it just makes me confounded to the concept of, why did you ask for him if you were never going to play him? And I know that they fired the uh, guy with the droopy face um, and brought in, what was it? Nuno, Espirito Santos, and La Familia. I got you. But I, I don't, it's like, why did you want him if you were never going to play him? So bringing him back, is there a recall with Santos or, or is he going to go on loan and really if you look at it from the outside in, what do you think about this midfield situation? Because people are getting healthy. Carney already trained the other day. We're going to be seeing a lot of midfielders probably disappointed on the bench that they're not playing. What's, what's the end game, KJ? I think the end game is exactly what Jess has alluded to. It's, it's trying to find the balance and what you want in the midfield. I think right now we've got everything we need. Um, going going along with Enzo, um, he's a pure CM. He's always been a pure CM. He's he's yeah. got defensive acumen. We've seen him in the World Cup. He can track back. He can defend. But he's a pure CM, and his greatest strength really is picking up those passes. When he's when he, if you watch the World Cup closely and you watch how he's linked up with the boys, especially Messi, um, you can see he's the type of person that will drive play forward. So to Profile him in another way really is just a product of the system we're playing at the moment. And it's exactly why um, you saw Tiago Silva. He was one of the people that um, Tiago Silva was shouting at um, because he expected him to track back more. But that's just not his game. And if you play a certain, if you play a certain position your whole career, you're going to get used to that. You know, no matter how, how many times a coach tries to drill something else, your first nature and his first nature will always be sensitive. So um, 
I think we've got everything we need. It's just more so really finding the balance in between what we need. Unfortunately for uh, for Andre Santos, he was just a product of another system that didn't work out. So, yeah. um, and it happens with clubs all the time where you sign a player hoping for a specific outcome and it doesn't work out that way. Chelsea are victims in doing that. How many players have we signed just never played because we put them in developmental. We don't know what to do with them. We loan them out until we have to sell them. You know, um, there's so there's so many examples. I mean, we had Marco Marin, um, flipping heck, we had huh? oh dude dude Mo Salah dude Mo Salah, KDB, um, oh god the, the, the Felipe Luis. You remember Felipe Luis? Even it, even Alvaro Morata for fuck's sake. Literally exactly and <clears throat> sorry. Um, and that's just what it is. Um, and that's and that's the way football is right now. If you sign a specific profile for a specific system and you don't get what you need, unfortunately, the player becomes redundant. And the problem is, as it stands right now, I think Poch has an idea of the midfield structure he wants. And I don't see us adding to it. I don't think we need to add to it. So if we do recall him, he's just going back out, man. Um, and I think the feeling is right now, Poch is probably going to start utilizing more experience rather than recalling younger kids to play within the squad. Um, unless, obviously, if you show potential, I mean, we've seen right now, um, we're filtering. Um, uh, Alfie, Alfie Dorkost. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you got potential <laughs> and you're good enough, then, I mean, you know my feelings on Wonder Kids, man. I'll oh, I know. You say they stink like piss, bro. <laughs> Bro, they, they really do, man. But um, I think I'm a firm believer in Poch knowing what Wonder Kid works for the squad. Um, so, man, um, Andre Sands is a baller, man. You you can never find a bad Brazilian. I, and I stand by that. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> that, is, that is your bias, my man. I stand by it. You'll never find a bad Brazilian. Um, um, <laughs> hey, well, hey, look. I don't care what you say. Let me ask this question because I, I do want to get into Cole Palmer and Madueke, but I'll start with you first until we get into that. Um, should we be prioritizing Europe or top five? And by Europe, I mean, you know, the cup games. I think we, if, if our priority really is to try finish top five, then the emphasis should be finishing a place where we can have more experience. And that should be Europe, right? You want the players to experience more outside of the Premier League just so they can be adaptable. Um, so I, I, my, I, I think it goes hand in hand. If we're going to focus on top five, then the goal really is to play in Europe. Um, and I think that's where we probably are heading to be in. We're not that far off from top seven. Um, we're creeping in quite close, and I think that's the feeling of what Poch wants. Yeah. So pers- personally, I, I, I think if we can get in, it doesn't have to be Champions League. I'm I'm perfectly fine playing in the fucking what's that dumbass league that no one cares about? Uh, conference champion, fucking bro, third division, bro, Europe. I don't know. Exactly, bro. Conference pro league every. Uh, hey, I, it's I the pride. Hey, buddy, buddy, it's the pride of David Moyes. What can I say? <laughs> I mean, even if we even if we finish in a conference league spot, I wouldn't mind as long as the players have enough experience. To, oh, well, not uh, for lack of better words, enough minutes to play with each other, so they be, they can become more adaptable to each other. I think that's what's missing out right now. That's why when players like Enzo come off the bench and you surprise 
that they're not performing in the way they, they, they need to. It's because they get injured, they're out, they haven't caught up with the team, they haven't caught up with the, play, with the pace. So I think it will be a benefit for us to add more games just so that these, these players can acclimatize to each other. We're entering an era right now where these players are going to be our set 11. Um, we don't need to add that much. So the team we see right now essentially is a team that, uh, with obviously a few additions um, come January, is going to be our first 11. Sure. Um, Joey, you know, just, just, just picking up on that, priorities, right? And, of course, you have to consider January when I am talking about priorities because it's almost January and we're almost about to sell Conor Gallagher. Um, what do, What is our end game for this season, our goals? Can we get top four, top five, I guess is what it is, um, Europe? What would you do, Joey? I mean, really? Um. Well, make sure you're focusing on that cup, right? Like, that's going to be the first and foremost. Try to get that – try to get a cup on all these new players' shelves. That makes everybody understand, like, what the level is supposed to be. So – that and and obviously that's a you know a potential that's potentially a way of getting into Europe. But I, in my opinion, I would Champions League to me isn't necessarily like I think it is not going to be like totally out of reach. But I just don't think it's going to be possible for us to honestly. If we get Europa for, with this young core, like I probably I wouldn't be upset like whatsoever. Uh, I yeah. think this young core in a in a Europe in Europa would probably cook pretty well and could have a chance to win another trophy, um, especially if we get the striker. Like that's the biggest thing in my opinion. That's the that that's what will be the end all be all. Like if they can't get a striker in January, then we're in, we're going to be we're not going to be going anywhere further than probably eighth, um, uh, maybe seventh. And that, like, that's probably as close, like, as close as we'll get without a striker. I just, Amanda Broya is just not ready, and we're gonna have to deal with them for the next month if they don't do something about it. So, you know, that's it's, my thoughts on it, really. You know, it's, yeah, we'll. You know what? Yo, can I hop in? Can I hop in for a second? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. I just wanted to ask. Let's say we we do get Europa League. Outside of the obvious expectation um, winning it, what is the realistic expectation if we do get into um, Europe's second-tier uh, competition? It's to win it, KJ. It's to win it. Um, obviously, frustrating. Our, us fans, <laughs> and I, I have derided the fans this entire week. Okay, I have. I'm not even going to fucking shy away from it. I have a problem with fans that uh, really don't understand what's going on in the English Premier League, and uh, there's a lot of parody. You know, even Alex Goldberg, who constantly says that my takes are dumb. Well, you know, you know. So is you trying to flex your traps every single time you take a fucking selfie, dickhead? Um, Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I'd be mean, like, look. The end Let's game is to win. Football. The Let's end game. Back. The end game. The end game is to win. KJ, that's really what the end game is, honestly. 
Fair enough. You know, so, uh, Jared, let me ask you this question. Sorry for the digression. Um, I apologize. You're good. What? Yeah. So, um, what are we going to prioritize, man? Because I do want to get into the two players that were delicious today, but prioritizing Europe, top five, what do we got? Well, top five gets you Europe. So. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I understand. Um, look. I, I said this because I guess most people don't know this. If we win the Carabao Cup, that gives us conference lead. So I'm not interested in the league after that point until unless we're going to finish above seventh. Okay? The FA Cup gives us Europa League. If we win that, I don't care about the league unless we're going to be in top four. Does that make any sense? Sure. So the ultimate goal is to play more games, right, to be in Europe. So the goal should be to win a cup and get into Europe. Where that leads us in the league, I don't really care unless we're going to be top four. If that That's meaning if we win one of those cups and get into Europe. I should preface that. But it's, again, that this idea, oh, we got to get top four, we got to get top four. Okay, for what? We've gotten top we got top four for how many years? And what did that do for us? We had to rebuild our whole team. Our owner got uh, sacked. And we're back to square one by just making top four. Top four is not a trophy, folks. Top four gets you into Europe. Okay. So if we're in Europe, do we care what happens in the league? If we're not going to be one or two fighting for the for for the actual strap, I don't know. Fair point, and uh, gosh, a little bleak there, Jared. <laughs> but I I do understand. Um, all right, so now that we've settled that, I do want to talk about these two players, and then we will transition into you know, January signings, and then we'll call it a day. But when Cole Palmer played. In the community shield for Man City, I said this player is trash, and no one should take him seriously. I watched him during the summer. I was like, ah, this player's garbage. Well, I'm a fucking fool, truly a fool, and I and I pride myself on, you know, being thoughtful and. You know, saying how I feel and, and, and really like being contemplative about the things that I say, but I was so wrong about Cole Palmer. Yes, I, you were. I, I yes, just you can't, were. I just can't, I can't believe that I allowed myself to be so hyperbolic in a negative sense mm-hmm. about a player that maybe I should have watched a little bit more. Maybe I'm surprised. This motherfucker has eight goals and three assists. I expected nothing four. from him. I think he has four assists, actually. I Four assists. I expected nothing from him. And in return, this goofy, lanky weirdo has given Chelsea absolutely everything. He's given them everything he's got. That goal today, I swear to Christ, I thought I was watching Ozil when he scored that second goal. The second yes. one, yeah. I, I just, I was like, oh my God, that's Ozil. 
this player has defied every expectation I ever had from him. I am so proud that I am so foolish because this dude made me look like an asshole. What a player, Joey. What a player. Yeah, I know, right? Like, I, I, so I've, I've seen him a couple times before the Community Cup, and he, and every time I've seen him play, he scored every single time. Like it was, it was like, like this kid just knew how to dribble past somebody, even if he was as slow. He looks so slow, and he like, he knows how to get past somebody. He knows how to shoot with it, shoot with the inside of his foot and curl a ball in the net if he needs to. Boy, that first goal was a rocket. I yeah. I knew he had it in, in in his locker, but man, that first goal was a rocket. And you know, he caused it himself. It's like the like the defensive work that he does is kind of like underrated in my opinion. People don't really take it, like don't see it as much as I do. Like I, I'm watching that kind of stuff yeah. just because like that's just the kind of like football fan that I am. Joey, and, Joey, let me interrupt you. These are the things that Connor Gallagher gets praised for. But Cole Palmer does the same stuff. Yep. But but this kid technically, bro, is like, and you can see from our corners, like we knew, like we didn't want to take corners and we were just like trying to get that ball in that spot for him to try to curl one in. Like that was like three or four of our corners. Um, The kid is special. He, he has that, like that, that mentality that he knows he's good and he doesn't care who knows it. Like, he has that that attitude that you want from someone, and then hitting the ice tray after after him scoring. Yes. Bro, did you see? It couldn't be any colder interview. than that, bro. Did you see his interview about the goal? The second goal. He no, I didn't. I, 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 no, I didn't what did he say? I was gonna he do all my. Uh, right in. I always That's rewatch everything, and I, I'll rewatch the game here in like probably like four hours, five hours from now, and then I'll watch all of it post-game interviews and stuff. KJ, yeah, KJ, but, what were you saying? So he basically said, um, before, he, before he shot on goal, he said the new, he knew the defender would slide in, so he deliberately stopped just so the, the, the defender could slide past him and take the goal. Do you know how intelligent as a footballer you need to be? Wow. To be so self-aware, <laughs> to know that Wait, for the first goal or the second one? The second goal. Oh, yeah. The little pause, I mean, because he could have like, take, taken it earlier, but he just waited, because he knew. And he played he played attacking mid, Jared today, and um, obviously was brilliant. Um, but that's that's the kind of expectation that I expect from you know someone that gets the ball a lot, right? First touch, creativity, plays with his head up, total deserved arrogance, Jared. I'm. Again, the arrogance. I did yeah, not expect anything from this player, guys. But he has proven to be fantastic. Jared, like, what do you see from this guy? Because I don't I, – I, I think Pep just got this one wrong. I think he just did. Yeah. Well, I, I, uh, I've, I've watched a lot of football. Um, so I've watched quite a bit of Cole Palmer over the years because I, you know – Man City's involved in a lot of good games and a lot of consequential games, so I've seen him play a lot. And I, there was always – you always knew, you know, that – they always talk about it. Well, you when you watched him play, you knew there was something 
something special about him or there's something about him that, okay, I need to see more of him. Not any, anything in particular, you go, oh, this guy could do it. Just you just knew there was something about him. Mm. Y- yes. So so for me, Cole Palmer, look, the man ain't going to win uh, no beauty contest. <laughs> if you saw him at the bar at early in the night. So when you see him and you, you just walk him, you see him get off the bus. He looks like the girl in the bar. Oh, nine, Joe, Joe, nine, Joe, Joe you're, you're being cruel here now. Come at on 9 now. p.m. But Buddy. when you see him play on the field, he's that same girl at 2 a.m. after you've had about 12 beers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. He might this not be the most person on earth, but he is a beautiful today. player. Joey, I- <laughs> That was the most Texas thing I heard you say today, bro. Joey, I apologize for this Tex ass. Oh, my God. Bro, I, I don't mind it, but I just that was Oh, I it. know you don't mind it. I do, because this dickhead is an asshole. I love it, Jared. I love it. But, but, you, but you know it's true. You, if you saw Cole Palmer even walking down the street, you're like, that guy ain't no ass. Yeah, but guess what? I sure, <laughs> I'm sure, dude. On a weekend, he still slays. So uh, don't even yeah. get at me, bro. Come on. No, no, I'm saying that he, you don't expect. Yeah, that he's, from him. He, he was, he was unassuming when he came on, but right. just the, the guy, it's just a brilliant player. Like at the end of the day, I'm tired of people saying, oh, he's a great young player. No, dude, no. He's a great player. Fuck the qualifier. Take away that young person label. No, he is a good player. Full stop. He's KJ, born with it. Talk to me, KJ. Talk to me. Because I want to talk about this guy, Medawaki, and then I want to talk about January. But look, Cole Palmer, he's got that fuck you in him, man. So there's, there's a term... Uh, we use here. It's called born with it. And he is born with it. You know, I think for me personally, it's it's not just the confidence, it's the attitude. And yeah. that's what's so important for players, especially in his age, to have the attitude to look at a defender and say, screw you, man. I'm him. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. He's born with it, man. He's such a good player and he's so diverse. And I think, especially in his gameplay, man, for such a long, lanky player to have such composure, great sense of gra- gravity. I mean, he just he moves, like you said, like Ozil, which is crazy to me at his age to have that IQ to not just assist himself essentially with that first goal because yeah. that that people will say that that was a potential mistake, but no, that's just being at the right place at the right time, knowing that you can capitalize on something that you set up two moves ago which yeah. is freaking brilliant, to have the finishing to do it as well because that angle wasn't an easy... You don't just score from that angle. If you look at the replays, it was at such an awkward angle and you had to bend around two keepers plus... Yeah. Uh, two keepers. Two defenders plus the keeper. Amazing. And even the second goal just speaks for itself. That's You don't teach that. You don't teach that to any player. If you're born with it, you produce stuff like that. Um, but yeah, man, I, I haven't seen his game before Chelsea, uh, and I wish I did just so I can have that comparison. But I'm happy I started here. Look, God. I'll be real. I watched his game before Chelsea. I said he sucked. <laughs> Look at me. I'm such a moron. Um, just a cool stat for Cole Palmer before we before we move on to Madueke. He's the only under 21 player 
he's the second highest uh, GA under 21 player in the entire world. The only person ahead of him is Jude Bellingham by three goals. Which is not fair because Jude Bellingham is probably the best player in the world. And he played. <laughs> and Jude Bellingham has played more games than him. Yeah. And, Ju- and Jude Bellingham doesn't look like Eddie from Ed, Ed and Eddie. Oh, the <laughs> <laughs> asshole. <laughs> Hey, don't talk about my baller like that. Don't talk about my baller like that. That's great. All right, so, uh, Joey, I'm going to go to you for this one, because this is a player, fucking Jimmy Spliff on uh, Lewis's stream. I will speak to you like an adult and say, Matawake, I'm sure heard Poach's comments about him, said, you know, I need to show out. I'm pissed I'm not starting. Any professional player would be pissed that he's not starting. They, they want to perform the, their craft, man. This is their job. And Medawake finally gets to start, right, after showing brass balls in the last game with that PK and also a really good cameo. Today, again, Medawake proving not only that he deserves to stay, but also that I think he wants to stay. Uh, I don't think Matawake should be going anywhere. <laughs> like, this guy, I, I'm sorry, but this guy demands a, a double team no matter who he's defend, who, who defends him. No matter who defends this guy, one-on-one, he demands a double team. You need, you have to double team him. Otherwise, he is too good with his feet. I, I, I haven't seen, so like, two guys now that are so, that are tall, like, the way that they're tall, and move this way. Like, Matawake dribbles differently, bro. He, it, it's not yeah. the type of, like, you don't, like, you don't look at Matawake and say, this guy is the, a, a, a normal dribbler. Like, it's awkward, one. So Very it's awkward. not an easy, it's not easy to read. Like, I played fullback. Like, I would have hated defending Matawake. I played left back, so I would have had to defend Matawake. Oh, because, because it's atypical, right? Exactly. It's so, so different. And not for that, not only that, everyone knows he's trying to go on to his left. And then he just bings <laughs> one with his right. And then he, he just bings one with his right, bro. And it was like, everyone was, you, you saw the defender just shift his entire body to the left, to, to his left side, because he knew that's where he, he he knew he thought he knew that's where he wanted to go, and then he just pushes it onto his right and just jams one into the top shelf. It yeah. was it like that is the type of finishing that we've been waiting for. That's what he has in his locker. That's what he's had in his locker his entire time playing for the U21s for PSV. That's what he has in his locker. He can take a man on, and he knows how to cut inside and shoot like. And this time he showed something different. So if that's his weak foot, Sterling should never see the pitch again, especially with the defensive work that he just displayed today. Madway he displayed today. Now I know that we. I wanna. I wanna throw one other person up. I know we, those were the two players that that we were. Go ahead. About. Do your thing. Uh, Petrovic today. Mm. Well done, my man. Mm-hmm. Well done. What a keeper. My well done, my man. Oh yeah. Well done. That's what that. It, you know, sometimes the the with with keepers, right? And I I want to bring this up just quickly. Sometimes with keepers, mistakes happen with keepers when they think too much. 
That's what Petrovic doesn't do. Okay? And that's, like, with Sanchez, we got to hold our breath sometimes when he has the ball at his feet. With Petrovic, sometimes. if he sees, if he sees someone coming close to him, it's gone. Rosette. I don't care if it's in Rosette. Shove it to Rosette. Just don't have a, a incompetent error like we did at Arsenal. That's it. That's all we can ask, right? If if Sanchez hoofs it 70 yards deep instead of passing it right to freaking Declan Rice, we have three more points on the board. Yeah. So, like, Petrovic, well done, my man. Congratulations on earning a number. You're not the number one. Yeah, Joey, he's a pragmatist for sure. He just keeps it simple. There's no elaboration there. There's no, oh, I want to bait this striker and uh, getting out of position. Yeah, Petrovic just keeps it simple. And um, I'm good. And he's with a good it. shot stopper on top of it. Yeah, he's which which really matters um, for sure. Jared, what do you think, Medawake? Well, uh, it's interesting because we had this conversation not too long ago, uh, yeah. maybe a week or two ago, and it was looked like he was on his way out because uh, oh, yeah. he, was, he wasn't getting any game time. It didn't look like, you know, Poch had had him before and, and sent him out, so we didn't even know if Poch actually rated him or not. But guess what? As a professional – when you get your chance, you can you can uh, change your manager's mind by going out and playing well, which he had he has for the last two games. Um, Absolutely. And look, <laughs> I, I you know I deal in uh, facts and data, so when facts and data change, then my opinions on things change because if you don't, then you you become an ignorant person. Right. You can't stay stay with the same opinion when the facts and the data change. Um, Yeah. Jared, you can never you can never hold an opinion on someone that just decides to change their stripes. Right. You you have to allow people to evolve. It's part of not just sports, but life in general. Right. Yeah. You have to allow some for some growth. And he's shown it now. Look, consistency is the flavor we want to see. Right. So you've done this. You need to continue to do this. And look, I am not a fan of, of Raheem Sterling. I I would think that it would be very possible if you talked really sweet to Arsenal that he would buy, they would buy him off of us because he can play left wing, <laughs> right wing, and striker. And he used to play for Man City. What do you say? Sixty million pounds. We would, we would never get that for him. Um, KJ, Matawake, before we go to our January transfer window, and then we'll call it a day. What do you think, buddy? I'm very surprised. I'm going to be real with you. Um, I never expected this profile player to be this good. Um, and it's for all the reasons given. He's such a – he's an awkward footballer on the ball, but I think that's his greatest strength. And it just adds to the fact that he, he adds unpredictability, which is what you need, especially when you're attacking. You don't want a player that you can easily read and then stop all the time. But he's so good at just knowing when it's the right moment to pass and when it's the right moment to shoot. Unlike Conor Gallagher, who just sees the goal 
and doesn't look left or right. He just lashes the ball in front of every defender trying to claim glory. Um, but Matt Awake, man, <laughs> what, a, what a class player. What a class player. And I think he's another – I wouldn't say he's born with it, but he's someone that's definitely been um, coached very well. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't see how – I mean, I love Sterling. You know I love Sterling. But, man, how could you deny this guy's place in the squad, man? He's everything you need right now, especially when you look at um, who's playing opposite of him right now. He's, he's, his link-up play is also very, very good. And he's good at just driving the ball, especially in the box, man. When he's in that six-yard box, oh, my gosh, man. Not only can he pick out a good – just those tight corners where he can slip a pass. Um, I need to watch the game again because he was doing it more often. But, man, when he dribbles and cuts inside, oh, my gosh. What a player, man. You you can't teach that, man. He's such a good player. Um, and he's cold. He's cold. <laughs> yeah, man. All right. So, buy, sell, loan, um, January transfer edition. Uh, this is this is my perspective. Now, full disclosure, Michael Olise for Crystal Palace is probably my favorite player in football right now. Um I love Michael Olise. I think that he's got sticky feet and defenders give him respect space because they don't want to fuck with him. If they step, he'll smoke them. And his crossing is unbelievable. Like, unbelievable. And on top of that, he's a great athlete and he's got a nose for the goal. For me, this is like the number one one player that I would sign. It's the same way I felt about Wilfred Zaha in 2019. Like, I wanted Chelsea to buy Zaha. We bought Timo Werner. Um, right now, it's the same thing. I want Chelsea to buy my goalie. So, because he can play three different positions and he is a beautiful player. And I, I love aesthetics. I, I'm a sucker for it because I think the game itself is beautiful. It's why I'm so enamored with it. Um, and uh, I, I could watch any game and just say, oh, I love the passing. I love all that shit. At least say he has it in spades. So that for me is number one. Number two, obviously the striker. Oshman, what he did yesterday with the liking of the tweet, I don't, I don't know if that's a great consequence, but it is something. So those are the two players that I would buy. Sell, Connor fucking Gallagher. Chalaba, Matson, Monobrosia, Alongsar. Lone. Andre Santos, second loan. Liza Uchukwu, loan. Angelo Gabriel, cancel loan. That's what I feel. Um, I'm curious as to what you guys think. I'll start with you, Jared. Yeah, I don't... The only attacker I want to be, I want to see uh, bought is a striker. Um, if we're going to buy a winger, a winger needs to leave. Um, we have way too many of them as of right now. Um, and... With one game a week, you want your your attacking players to get into a rhythm. I'm not, unless it's a striker, don't want to see an attacking player come through the door. I really don't. Um, I want to get rid of uh, everybody with a cobbler at the end of their name. Um, <laughs> yeah, just all of them, they need to go. Um, Joey, by the way, Joey, he means Levi Caldwell as well. Yeah, I do. If I could get $50 million for Levi Caldwell in this window, I would do it. Because he ain't gonna be worth fifty million next year. Um, oh boy. So again, I I don't care. Um, if we're looking at, at center backs for the summer, so center backs I don't believe are gonna be coming in. 
Uh, for me, I would look at moving more people out and maybe target it uh, left back. And uh, I think that's really it. I'd want to see people go. I think Osherman, if you can get him in January, great. If not, at least have him signed up for the summer. At least have a elite striker signed up to come in in the summer, in the January. Like, like an Nkunku deal, right? Right, like an Nkunku deal. If you can't get him in, in this January window, at least have him in for the summer. But uh, I don't want to add a whole bunch of more players in the January window when we can't – we're not moving any any in those positions on because, again, then we're going to have the same thing as last year, a whole bunch of players that did, don't get game time. KJ, what do you got? I think realistically, um, I mean, I'm just – I'm cool with just getting a striker, man. Um, yeah. If you want to get a winger, same reason as Jared. you got to sell one of them. Um, there's a, we've got a surplus of players in uh, every position except for our strikers. So, um, yeah, if we get Oshman, great. Never ever message me about Suram. Um, I don't want to hear his name. <laughs> that player is rated by nine year olds, and I keep on telling you that. Don't tell me about that player. But, um, yeah. I texted KJ that Suram is having a good season. KJ hates Marcus Turam. <laughs> <laughs> He's the most overrated footballer I've uh, ever seen, bro. He's oh, hello, Den- 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 Denzel Dumfries. Denzel Dumfries is flirting with it too, bro. <laughs> oh, man. He, he sucks, man. Listen, the only way you guys are going to see he's actually bad is when he signs for us. And if that day comes, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Uh, oh, good Lord. Yeah, say no. Say no to both those stories. Uh, Joey, I know that you had a particular opinion about one position. Go ahead. Buy, sell, loan. What do you got, buddy? Um, well, obviously, like, all right, so here's my, here's my whole thing with the striker position, okay? Yeah. Um, I think no matter what, you can get OCM in the summer, and you can still try to get someone who can, and someone who can play for us now, um, but the but that's only then you don't need to sell Connor Gallagher if that's the case. Uh, you could sell him in the summer. Then uh, my my biggest issue like I have a couple of names that I have in mind that you could you could go and and, and get just as like that the striker replacement other than OCM even though I'm the guy that wants OCM more than almost anybody. Sure. Um, but realistically, I, I would like I would like a left back. Um, like I'm, I'm under the impression now that like, if we're going to keep Kukurea for the rest of the season, he can back up Gusto at right back and we need to get somebody that can play com- like, at, cause like, they don't want Kukurea. Like that's like been well reported. Like that's something that they're going to end up doing is selling Kukurea, I guess. If you're gonna buy Valent, if you're gonna buy, buy like a, another young player, just bring uh, bring like Valentino Barco, a left back to back up Ben Chilwell, oh. um, or you go big. But it just depends on what you go for as at the striker in January. Like if you're gonna go big for the striker, then hold off on the left back. If you're gonna go Big on left back, then you're probably going to have to pick like a different type of striker, like maybe a Santiago Jimenez or a Benjamin Sesco. So, 
that's kind of like where what my thought process is with January specifically. But re- we really need another fullback. Like we 100% need a- another fullback. I don't care if it's left back, right back, but I would prefer it to be left back because they're obviously planning ahead of ahead after Mark Kukurea. So uh, a couple yeah, of days, and, uh, maybe. Well, for the listeners, uh, Valentina Barco is an Argentinian player that plays for Boca Juniors. Um, and he is very highly rated. Uh, one of my best friends is from that area in Argentina. Obviously a huge Boca fan. And uh, he loves the player. And says that he definitely could play for Chelsea. So he, that is a very good call in your hand. Yeah, like I just don't think we should send him to Strasbourg if we're gonna buy him. Like if we're gonna buy uh, him, he'll... he does. He's not. He just he won't agree to come to Chelsea if that's the case. He wants to play for Chelsea. Bro, like we seen we like I, like I, like from what I've seen, he's just another Gusto. Bro. Like from what I've seen from the guy, he's a left footed. He's he's a futsal player, just like Gusto. Gusto plays yeah. on grass like it's fucking futsal tile. He's got foot on top of the ball stuff. He is awesome. And yeah, this is this is a very similar player. So that that would be the way that I would approach it personally. Yeah. I mean, we could go for like the T.O. Hernandez, the Davies of the world, but you know, it's January. So I just kind of temper the expectations of it. Yeah. He's a ginger. <laughs> Gingers have no souls. Yes, Bucko is definitely a ginger. Okay, Jared. All right. Noted. 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 All right. Well, this has been a fabulous podcast and uh, one that, um, you know, Jared and I and Matt, who's not here today, we prioritize, you know, intelligent conversation. This was a very intelligent conversation, but it's no surprise. Joey's smart. KJ is smart. And, uh, Jared, I'm sure you feel the same way that this was a great pod, but I'd like to have some final thoughts from each of you before we conclude. Just keep winning. Just keep winning. I don't care what it takes, what you got to do. Just keep trying to find ways to get three points. I don't really care how how it happens. Just make it happen. KJ, what do you got, buddy? Just don't finish below Man United. Yeah, I'm watching that game. They stink. Oh, they stink so, so bad. They, they stink worse than us, man. I'm sorry. Yeah, they, suck. they are a bad team, bro. <laughs> they yeah. don't like. They don't have the actual skilled players that we have. Like they're just a bad team. Jared, what do you got? I, I just wanted to uh, parrot what what uh, my good friend uh, Carlito has to say. It was very nice uh, chatting with some intelligent people for change. I, I thank you all for both coming on for that. And, uh, you know, I guess I always say this win doesn't matter if we lose the next game. So let's go on and win the next one. Yeah, my, my final thought is very simple. Um, this manager has an idea in his head about what he wants from this team. And I think it's in conjunction with what his bosses want from him. I think that they're both on the same page. The ownership, the scouts, the manager. 
We just need to get healthy. It is very difficult to execute a philosophy if you don't have the appropriate components. He simply has not had those. At times, we've had 16 injuries at once. That is insane. Um, I don't know how anybody could operate when you have that many injuries. I'm not using it as an excuse, but I am providing context as to why we have not been up to snuff to where, obviously, us as fans want us to be. You know, This is not a standards conversation. Everybody has standards if you're a Chelsea fan. We all expect to win. We want to win. That's obvious. But I understand what's going on at the club, and I understand what we want to be. It will take a little bit of time. I know it's frustrating. It sucks. But at the end of the day, I'm going to remain positive because I know that the end game is a good one. And I know that despite all the poach-out dickheads, I'm not one of them. I'm going to back this manager because I like this manager. And I like this team. And I believe in this team moving forward. I think we're going to turn it around. I want to thank Joey for coming on. You were excellent. Excellent as a guest. Uh, You're welcome anytime. KJ, my guy, of course. Very good friend of mine. Jared, same thing. Um, this has been Blue Call Project Podcast, and it's certainly one of the best podcasts we've had in a very long time. So I want to thank everybody for joining and everyone for listening eventually. See you guys.